God for the gift of life, health, and strength. And as my grandmother used to say, I thank him that things are as well as they are. Amen, amen, amen. And so we are delighted to be with you, and we're asking for your, your prayers. It's still true that prayer and preaching go together. A lot of times, a lot of times folk leave church and say, he didn't preach, and they didn't pray. So uh, you'll pray for me tonight. I'll appreciate it greatly. Amen. My wife's not with me. She has some dental problems today, and so hopefully she'll be better tomorrow. From the passage of Scripture, that the brother has read in our hearing today. Would you turn with me to Mark chapter 14? And I just want to read a couple of verses, verse 34 and verse 35 from the 14th chapter, verse 34 and verse 35 from the 14th chapter of Mark. And it reads this way. And, well, let me start um, with... Verse 33, and he taketh with him Peter and James and John and began to be so amazed and to be very heavy and saith unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. Thank you so much. Our subject tonight is in the form of a question, and the question is, did you pray about it? Did you pray about it? This self-sufficient age that we live in operates on the premise that we can always take matters into our own hands. We are progressively being taught that no matter what confronts us, if we have enough energy, enough courage, and enough fortitude, there is no obstacle or obstruction that can hinder us. There is a famous line that many have been found to quote today. And it says, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. 
it would seem that this age is overwhelmed with those who have turned away from God. They are headed in their own directions and determined in doing their own thing. We live in a time when many people have no regard for right or wrong, no regard for good or evil, and simply doing whatever the majority is doing. And as long as the majority is doing it, the assumption is it must be all right. In the midst of this, we, the church, must be honest and admit that we are not immune. Even the church, regardless of what city or state that you might be in now, you will find that churches are struggling. Amen. Amen. But my brothers and my sisters, it occurred to me today that since we are creatures of time, and since we are made of temporal material that is rapidly decaying, and since each one of us has his or her date with the dust, then I think it's time that we do a life assessment. As we consider the challenges that we face on a daily basis, the battles that we face on a daily basis. If I were to ask you today, have you taken care of your physical needs today? Um, your physical health and your well-being? I, I suspect that the answer would be yes. It, you've most likely gotten some rest, most likely gotten some sleep, most likely you've had some food and water. If I were to ask about your psychological and mental health, you probably have done something to unwind, to relax, to reduce your stress and tension. But if I were to ask you, what have you done about your spiritual health and well-being? How would you answer today? The question is, did you pray about it? Amen. The church needs to come together in prayer. Amen. We've got to learn that we cannot make it in life trying to reason our way through life. Amen. We've got to learn that you cannot win this fight in the flesh. Amen. You have to make up your mind that either you're going to fight in the flesh or in the spirit. The church needs to come together in prayer. Dr. E.M. Bounds, a great writer, writes that prayer is the great universal force to advance God's cause. Not to pray 
is a denial of God. Not to pray is a denial of his existence. And not to pray is a denial of his nature. It's a denial of his purpose toward mankind. Prayer is good medicine for the body because it keeps the creature in communion with the creator. Prayer reduces stress in the body because when we pray, we acknowledge that we had that divine help for our daily trials and tribulations. When we pray, we can cast all our cares and burdens upon the Lord, knowing that he does care for us. Prayer is good medicine because it reduces our fears and frustrations. It alleviates anxieties and makes us realize we have a great redeemer. The psalmist reminds us, for in the time of trouble, the Lord will hide me. And God is our refuge and strength. But prayer is also good medicine for the mind. It provides psychological well-being and good mental health. Bible says thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Prayer gives the believer and the spiritual advantage because he or she knows that God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. Prayer is good medicine for the soul. For it is in the Lord that we live, move, and have our being. We come to our text now, and of all of the images of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the Holy Scriptures, the picture of Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane has to be considered one of the most intimate. Still was the air that surrounded this place called Gethsemane. Intense was this moment in salvation history wherein the great God-man faced the burden of his destiny. The two men he gathered to keep watch with him would later be found asleep. Can't you see him with sweat upon his brow? Can't you see Emmanuel burdened by the weight of the things to come? Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I want, but what you want. He pleads with God to take away this cup of pain, this 
cup of humiliation, this cup of suffering, and this cup of loneliness. He's without friends. He's without family. And according to scripture, he's without God. <clears throat> yes, <clears throat> glory will eventually come. Triumph will eventually come. Resurrection will eventually take place. Yes, he would rise victoriously from the grave. He would later ascend into heaven and promise a glorious second coming. But all of this only after Gethsemane, the ultimate act of selflessness, obedience, and love begins here in this very dark garden. But why Gethsemane? What is it about this place? Well, it was the place in ancient times where the olives, after being beaten and stripped from the branches of the olive tree, would be placed under the weight of stones and crushed and bruised and grind it until everything inside oozed out. Amen. I, I, I got to park there and tell you that we all must pass through our Gethsemane. Amen. Nobody escapes the garden. Now, let me, let me, let me tell you now, you don't have to travel by boat, nor airplane, or car, or any other means or method to find or to get to Gethsemane. Gethsemane is everywhere. Amen. It's right here in you and I. Right now, I'm faced with my Gethsemane. Uh, I want to do it my way. Folk want me to do it their way. God has made it plain that he only has one way. There are Gethsemanes all around us. Well, let me bring you into this. What, what is your Gethsemane? Amen. I know you got one. What, what is your Gethsemane? And... Uh, just in case you think you Superman, then what is your kryptonite? What, what, what is it? Everybody along the road of life must pay a visit or a few visits to Gethsemane, especially those who are called out by God. Pastor, the weight of the ministry has oftentimes proved exactly too much for me to bear the mantle that God has placed upon our lives at times seems too heavy to carry sometimes like Jesus I find myself crying out to God just like Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane father I know you can <laughs> I know you're able. And if you are willing, uh, please, 
I'm like the temptations. I ain't too proud to beg. Please take this cup from me. And you see, that's what all of us have in common in here tonight. All of us have some cup that we wish we could get rid of. Amen. Amen. We've been trying for the longest to get rid of it. But God insists, amen, that that cup is not going anywhere. Yes, you, I've been, I've been, and you've been to Gethsemane. God comes at us in strange ways. And he uses painful places in our lives to teach us something about the sovereignty of his character. I, 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 I've been trying to give God suggestions and I, I know some of them was good. I'm not saying all of them was good, but I know I've given God some good suggestions. He ain't took none of them. He insists on being God. A amen, 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 amen. All of us have our Gethsemanes, amen. But, but then what would life be worth if it was only filled with good days of laughter and pleasure? What, what would life be like? What, what would our ministries be like as preachers of the gospel if we experience only the ecstasy of the mountain peaks of life? Peter, when he went up on the mountain, uh, he, he wanted to cut the ministry short. He said to Jesus, let's stay here. He wanted to stop too soon. There was work to be done in the valley, but Peter was on the mountaintop. And all of us prefer the mountaintop to the valley. Amen. What, what, what would we have learned about God? if he had only afforded us days where the sun shined bright and withheld from us the rain. What would we have learned about dunamis power if God only afforded us days where the sun shined bright? What would our lives be like if our potential remained untapped? If our purpose remained unfilled, if the promises remained unclaimed, if the dreams were never realized, goals never achieved. You see, Gethsemane is a place where God uses to prepare us for what lies ahead and to prove to us that he is truly God. You see, when it comes to God, you don't know that he is enough until he's all you got. Amen. Amen. That's, 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 that's when you find out how powerful he is. <clears throat> when all your friends let you down. Uh, when, when you got more month than money. 
uh, when, when everywhere you turn, there's trouble. That's when you find out how powerful God really is. When you find yourself knowing that you ought to do something, you just don't know what you ought to do. That's when you find out how powerful that God really, really is. Amen. So, so it's, it's in Gethsemane where we are forced to face the great will of God for our lives without deviation or distraction. It's in Gethsemane that we are stripped of our artificial self. Now, don't get mad at me. But sometimes you can't tell who we really are. Now, Till we get in trouble. Huh? Yeah, yeah. See, don't, don't, don't try to judge us in church. Huh? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. We, we'll shout in church. We'll say praise the Lord and hallelujah and glory to his name in church. But listen, you just let a little hell break out in your life. Huh? Yeah, you... You just let some problems break out in your life. A amen, amen. At Gethsemane is the place where God strips us of our artificial selves and makes us battle against the ills of our laziness, our immorality, our frustration, our fear, and our doubt and forces us to humbly submit to his will. Yeah, yeah, Gethsemane is the place where God crushes us and bruises us, makes us think that he's trying to kill us, when in reality he's trying to heal us. Amen, amen. It, where we discover the true essence of who we are, amen. Yeah, there is a divine purpose in your pain. Amen, amen. Yeah, behind every dark cloud, amen. Behind every stormy day, behind every tear-filled night, Behind every test of your faith, behind every moment of despair, behind every bit of sorrow in your heart, you will discover that it was simply an instrument that God uses to bring forth his divine purposes in your lives. Amen. I come to tell you tonight, be not discouraged, be not discouraged, and don't be distraught, amen. And don't let yourself get in a state where you're without hope. For there in Gethsemane, God strengthens us. God straightens us out, amen. There in Gethsemane, God develops within us the courage to face our enemies. Hallelujah. God develops in us the faith to move our mountains. 
Now listen, God is more concerned about your development than he is your destination. Amen, amen, amen. There in Gethsemane is where we find spiritual fortitude to endure our afflictions. Uh, uh, can't you remember all those times that God gave you victory in spite of your afflictions? Huh? When, you, when you came to church and if you manifested the way you really felt, you'd put your head down on the pew and just weep a while. But then when you remember how good God has been to you and how he has brought you such a mighty long way, you find yourself being able to praise God even in your pain. When people expect you to be sad, when people expect you to look down and out, here you are, arms lifted up, giving God glory, saying hallelujah, saying praise the Lord, and people trying to figure out how you did it. But it's simply because God has a way of lifting you up over your burdens. God has a way of causing joy bells to ring in your soul, even when you don't have a dime in your pocket. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Gethsemane. That's Gethsemane. That's the place where God develops in us boldness to withstand persecution. He gives us the fortitude to bear our heavy load. He places within our hearts the joy of knowing that something greater is yet to come. A amen. Yes, God comes at us in strange ways. He uses the most uncomfortable circumstances to fulfill his will in our lives. Amen. And so we've got to understand, like Jesus, that without test, there is no testimony. Amen. And without pain, there is no power. Amen. Let me say that one again. Without pain, there is no power. Amen. Without struggle, there is no strength. Amen. Without sacrifice, there is no gaining the victory. Without calamity, there is no celebration. What you got to celebrate if you ain't never been through nothing? What you got to praise God for if you ain't never been through nothing? What you got to tell me about Jesus if you ain't never had your heart broken? Oh my God. Yeah, without calamity, there is no celebration. Amen. God's got to take you through some things. Amen. Pastor, when I first started preaching, I made up my mind. I said, I'm not going to be like other preachers running all over the place and hooping and hollering. I'm going to stand there 
I'm going to be real erudite and scholarly. I'm going to be deep. I'm not going to try to move people. I'm going to stand right there, just, and just, just preach the word of God. And that worked for a little while until I had to learn how to deal with black folk. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Till I had to learn how to deal with us. And I've been running ever since. I've been hollering ever since. I've been loud ever since. I've been preaching long ever since. Amen. God had to show me. There was some preaching in me, but it wouldn't come out without the pain. Amen. So he had to allow me to go through some things, to be lied on a little while, to be ridiculed a little while, to have my heart broken a little while. Oh, but I thank God. I thank God for it gave me joy, joy in my suffering. I had to find out that in this world, joy and suffering live next door to each other. Amen. Every morning, when joy comes out, it says, good morning, suffering. And suffering says, good morning, joy. They hang out together, joy and suffering. And if you want God to give you some deep joy, you're going to have to learn how to suffer a little bit. You're going to have to learn how to go through. You're going to have to learn how to cry a little bit. Yeah, that, that's Gethsemane. Amen. That's, that's Gethsemane. So if you've been wondering why you're going through what you're going through, just, just be patient. <laughs> just be patient. Amen. Amen. Realize that whom the Lord loveth, not whom he dislikes. It's whom the Lord loveth. He, he chastens and rebukes. And he's just taking you through so he can get the best out of you. Amen. 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 Look at Jesus in this garden. Look at him. Look at the second Adam. You remember the first Adam. He, he had his garden, but he, he messed it up. He messed it up. And, and as a result of it, he gets put out of the garden. But his leaving the garden was punishment. Amen. And a way is made so that he cannot go back. Oh, but look at this second Adam. He, he goes to the garden and purifies. Purifies the garden. He, he doesn't act like the first Adam. He, he's the second Adam. And like the first, he had to leave the garden also. But he doesn't leave the garden in punishment. Oh, no. He, he leaves this garden in power, in power. Now, now notice something else, and I'm through. 
He, he kept praying till his prayer got right. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he kept on praying till his prayer got right. He said, now, Father, if it be possible, now take this cup from me. And then he went out to check his support system. And when he came to them, he found them asleep. He went back again and he prayed, Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Found them out and went back out again. And they had succumbed to sleep. But he went back the third time and got his prayer right. See, you've been wondering why God ain't answered your prayer. <laughs> Sometimes our prayer is our problem. Did, wait a minute, did you see what I said? I said sometimes our prayer is our problem. James says you ask, but you ask amiss because what you're asking for does not have a kingdom priority. It's something you want to spend on your own lust. Jesus kept praying until he prayed the right prayer and when he prayed the right prayer, God said yes. Did you know that God loves to say yes? All the promises of God are yea and amen. But it's only when you're in agreement with God. Huh? Jesus leaves the, remove this cup from me, and he gets to a most awesome point in life. The nevertheless. My God, that's it, that's it. That's a prayer that God can answer. When you reach the point where you say, whatever it takes. Doesn't matter if I got to suffer I read that if I suffer with you, I reign with you. Whatever it takes. Let me hear you say it. Whatever it takes. It's the, it's, it's the nevertheless. Now you're talking about power. That's power. Nevertheless. I don't have no more questions to ask. Nevertheless, whatever you want me to do, I'm prepared to do what you want me to do. That's the point. That's, that's our goal. To get to the nevertheless. To say, God, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Whatever you want me to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. But you won't get there until after. 
Gethsemane. Let me ask you just one more time. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what battles you're facing. I don't know what's going on in your home. I don't know what's happening with your children, on the job, or whatever. But all I want to ask you is, did you pray about it? Did, did you pray about it? And have you reached the point where you leave the end in his hand? Nevertheless, whatever it is, let me share this with you. My mother used to sing a song, and it was a, this was an old song. It was call and response. Some of y'all are too young. Y'all don't, don't know about that. But it was call and response, and she said, Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, let your will be done. Let your will. Well, oh, Lord, let your will be done. Well, it's oh, Lord, let your will be done. Well, it's oh, Lord, oh, Lord, let your will be done. Now, now listen, listen. <clears throat> this, was the, this was the second verse. And uh, the second verse was, if it takes my life, if it let your will be done. Now, now. When she get to that second verse, I couldn't sing that one. <laughs> See, <laughs> I, I used to, I used to hum that one. I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't ready, Pastor. I was, I wasn't ready if it takes my life. I, I could do that first one. Oh, Lord, let your will be done. Amen. I hope that becomes our, our goal. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Let your will be done. Would you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer? God, how we thank you. Thank you for the provision of prayer. Thank you that we've reached the point where we realize that long before we prayed, somebody prayed for us. Perhaps even before we were born, somebody prayed for us. And we thank you for the gift of prayer. We don't, we don't pray because we want to. We pray because we have to. We, we, we can't help it. Living in a world like this forces us, sometimes literally drives us to our knees. 
And so we thank you for the power that's in prayer. And we realize that this is a difficult state in history, politically, economically, socially. We wake up in the morning and the news seems to be always bad. Violence is everywhere. And we need divine strength. And so we rush back to you. We pray believing we heard you say he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So while we are disappointed we are not defeated. We're going to keep on praying. And we made up our minds that if we don't live to see the change, that's all right too. But one thing we do know, a change is going to come. Because you said it, and we believe it, and we thank you for it. We pray that you will help us to reach the nevertheless point where we're able to say honestly, Lord, whatever it takes, let your will be done in my life. I ask it in Jesus' name, for Christ's sake. Amen. Doors of the church are open. There might be somebody here tonight who's yet to make a decision for Christ.